Welcome to Sonata Secrets with Henrik Chilham, unlocking the world of classical music. The second movement in Ravel's Gaspard Lanoui is another incredible piece of music. Le Gibet means the gallows and Ravel aims to capture this haunting scene that is presented in the poem with the same name by Aloysius Bertrand. And basically it's just a poetic portrait, a little bit macabre, of a hanged man on the gallows and a bell tolling in the distance. And we have this bell present in the music as a repeated B-flat. Throughout the whole piece, constantly ringing like that, together with a lot of other melodies and musical gestures going on. Now we can see the whole poem here. I'll just read a little bit for the audio-only podcast version of these episodes. It starts like this. Ah, what do I hear? Is it the night wind howling or the hanged man sighing on the gibbet? And then goes on to describe a few things that you can hear in this scene. Is it a cricket singing? Or is it a fly hunting and sounding its horn? Or is it a scarab beetle plucking a hair from the dead man's skull? Or is it a spider weaving web as a tie for the neck? And then finally, it is the bell that tolls from the walls of a town beyond the horizon and the corpse of a hanged man that is reddened by the setting sun. So here again, as in Ondine, the first moment in the set, we have this idea that the senses seem to fuse. Hearing and seeing is kind of the same. So what we hear is the corpse being reddened by the sun. It's really cool poetic language. Now let's get into the music. So let's start with a bell in the beginning. So the articulation here is very important. It's an accent on the first and then the second one can be almost as soft as possible to really get the bell sound. And then there's two of these and then one extra echo that also should be soft with the tenuto marking. And this is a configuration. These three attacks makes up of four quarter notes, but they're kind of displaced. Uh, but this is the configuration that is kept almost the same throughout the piece. Sometimes it's a little bit varied, but mostly it's this two uh, repeat the notes and then one extra echo. So then the chords enter in the middle of this. So there is an idea that these should be totally separate rhythmic dimensions. Like what's going on with the bell is one thing and then the chords is another thing. So what's the most open and haunting interval there is? Well, it's an open fifth in the bass. Think for example of Schubert's Der Liermann, the last song in his song cycle Winterreise. It starts, it's about death coming to town and it starts with an open fifth. Very haunting. 
this is slightly too fast um, just to show. Now what's better than one open fifth in the base? Two open fifths in the base. This is what Ravel writes. It's this and this. It's, that's like a key to the piece, this uh, interval. And we get the F in the middle register. It's so open and uh, great. And now we get consecutive. So it's the same, two open fifths. And the marking here in the beginning. Sans presser ni ralentir jusqu'à la fin, without pressing or slowing down until the end. Apparently, there was a debate between Ravel and uh, Ricardo Vignes, which was a, who was a pianist and close friend of Ravel, who premiered a lot of his piano music. And I will read from uh, the book Reflections about Ravel's piano music by Paul Roberts uh, a sentence about this. Ravel insisted on a very slow, unwavering tempo for Le Gibet. He had an argument with Vignes about it, who claimed it failed to grip audiences at Ravel's tempo and so bored them. This is indeed the problem, but it is usually dull pianists, not tempi, that bore audiences. To sustain a musical structure at a slow tempo is one of the supreme skills of pianism. And he then goes on to talk about how you need some rubato and flexibility to make it interesting. Uh, and then Finally, Ravel's concern for an unwavering tempo is the viewpoint of a composer, not a performer. So, but still, the point is clear. The bell should be tolling undeterred throughout the piece in a slow tempo. Now we move on. of a melodic fragment in the high register and we start to sense some vibes of B flat minor with a D flat but then it's F flat or E and again this dissonance and then the resolution comes to E flat so if it was B flat minor, it's like a dominant minor, but with the F flat, it's like a Phrygian dominant. If, if it was E flat minor Phrygian, but then the resolution we have F national again, so it's a lot of tension with this. It's like a B flat diminished with the F flat, and then the resolution is opening up again with an F national. answer. Now again the same melody but with an extra third on top which is the F flat. get more extended chords. What is this? It's an F half diminished. Almost A flat minor but with an F half diminished. And this is a type of chord that is open and not clear. That's 
another key to the piece. We get the so now we get the gesture. same melodic gesture that we have in the bass in the beginning uh, but now it's in the melodic register and the second time now it's extended as a triplet and all the time the bell tolling in the middle really the hard thing <laughs> challenge with this piece to get this balance uh, all the time now here we get two bars to cool off a little bit and here is the first time the rhythm is altered slightly uh, it gets longer before it's repeated It's the same as the previous phrase, but it's higher up. So now it's B flat, half diminished. With E flat in the bass, digging deeper, but and mezzo forte louder, more pressing, even if it's not supposed to be too pressing. get the spooky chords which is uh, you have to practice a lot on this even if it's not because it's quite fast jumps anyway seven or E7 but uh, with a nine I just play the chord this is like E7 or nine but then we add the B flat in the middle of it which is a tritone to E the spooky quality. And here, when we come down in this register, it's like a consolidation with these chromatic thirds um, going three times uh, falling down. We can, we can regroup for the next round now.
it's so cool music this so the second time it's even spookier the bass falls down from a flat to g and we get this is almost the same chord as the start first time and yeah you almost can't tell the difference because it's just a but the left hand is different if i just play the chords even less clear kind of where it's revolving around but some kind of G7 with an extra G sharp like these are uh, G7 chord and with an E <laughs> and an extra G sharp and an extra A sharp and an extra C sharp is basically hard to tell consolidation phase here in the end this is uh, a circular fifth but chromatically altered if we look at the bass when we get here it's very jazzy the bass is actually C uh, G C F sharp now this chromatically altered but still it's the skeleton of the circular fifth and this place reminds me a lot of Ravel's Vals Noble Sentimental uh, work that he wrote later. Uh, the first waltz there, it's a set of eight waltzes. And in the first waltz is a lot of this type of writing, chromatically extension of chords. We get four bars with a circular fifth all the way around from starting on D. Now, so this is. perfect circular fifth but with a lot of chromatic extensions on the top going a uh, chromatic uh, direction it's super cool place in that part it's a little bit like that here uh, he, it's not the full round but starting on G so here we have the melody the top voice it's going chromatically down over this. And we're landing on this jazzy, it's a C sharp, seven, sharp, nine. So we have both the major third and the sharp nine is the same as a minor third, but we call it sharp nine. You get this amazing sound. And the B, A sharp here, is kind of foreign to this chord or you could say it's a, it's a 13 and it's resolving to the flat 9 but this is almost like your B flat I don't know it's like yeah it's hard to, to tell the harmony it's floating up in a higher sphere uh, when you have all these extensions they're kind of coming closer to each other and it's hard to pin down where the root is sometimes. Okay, let's do the spooky chords again with the bell as well so we get the feeling. 
At least we get two bars here to catch our breath after the harmonic bonanza. And then we reach some kind of middle section. And this is absolute stillness. Uh, and we get a little bit of longer melody. And the detail here, the accents on the bell are gone. So the bell is further in the distance. Really weird chord here in the middle. And back to the C sharp, sharp nine. But now changing. So cool change from. Now we keep the top voice, this suspension, but change to a B flat. Take that again. So out there. And now finally it's a pure minor chord, a G minor with a we're kind of getting used to this suspension on the nine. Um, and this feels somehow like some kind of harmonic destination when we get here. Even this uh, going from G minor to E flat pretty close under the circumstances. And now just changing the 9, which was the F, to F flat, the flat 9. Get this amazing. So this is like A7 over E flat. E-flat minor, like staying within E-flat, um, but with the C it's a half diminished. And now we start to recognize this we've had before. get like a development or a conclusion to this motif uh, after it's quite consonant very choral I'm just playing the chords and not the bell uh, but then of course the C in the bass it is quite hard to keep in the pedal I don't think you can use like a mid third pedal in the middle on a grand piano because there's no way to catch it uh, if you press it down. So you just have to use half pedal. And 
it's hard on this piano, but on the ground piano it's possible to, you know, do small pedal and keep the bass. Uh, let's see if I can show it. So you lift the pedal gently and you keep the bass in the pedal. Yeah, it's hard on this piano. But anyway, let's do it with the bell as well. Now the spooky chords again. this material is starting to return but in slightly new configurations but this ties the piece together so nicely so these chords now we have B flat in the bass very low bass uh, and this actually going to stay as a pedal point for the last page and these chords now now they are more coherent as kind of G flat 7 extra notes I'm sure somewhere um, so this is more like in our home tonality flatland yeah so very very soft and really very tied um, I mean you can't do, really do legato when you have four note chords but you know pretend that it's legato the tying but very soft You get to play the uh, two notes in the thumb like that. It's a nice thing when you get to do that. Um. So this melodic fragment is also what we had Earlier, it's higher up when we get. Now we get it in the lower. In the middle here. And we also get an extra, the extra D flat on top. But it's the same kind of Phrygian vibes. With the F flat. of the spooky chords and here a pure seven chord but with the tritone very exposed here and now this is the final stretch now we get this amazing transition that's a progression that just feels like it's inevitable the destination we're gonna get the return of the open fifth again 
but now with an extra D flat. This is what's coming and the way Ravel goes here, I get goosebumps here like every time. So we have this uh, G flat 7 chord and this really low bass. Now we get E flat sus. And now going to A flat 7, major 7 with a extra D. So this is just And straight from so this is really out there and straight from here yeah it's so great so the top voice here starts on F flat, it's chromatically these are of course the sides of the hangman another thing, the mechanism here, why it feels so uh, intense in a way so before this it's been a lot of things happening like with all these chords changing a lot of things on every eighth note and then suddenly this um, rhythm is much less frequent so it's much less things happening in every bar. And when that happens, those things that are happening, they take on a higher importance. And that's what Ravel is really uh, utilizing here. Because it's, so, it's a little bit messy with all this. And then suddenly we have to stop just take in and we can listen to all the notes individually And in the end, all that's left is the bell that tolls from the walls of the town beyond the horizon. And it ends just like it begins this marvelous tone poem by Ravel. Thanks for watching Sonata Secrets. The Patreon shoutouts go to P. Barrett and P. E. Martin, and I'll see you all in the next episode.